This is The Big Question, where we do our best to answer questions from young disciples at Grace Presbyterian Church and to be at peace with the mysteries that we can't explain. This is our Christmas episode and also the last episode of 2023. I'm Pastor Mark, your host, and in this episode, we have questions from Israel, Sam VR, Tim, Lydia, and Stephen. First, we'll tackle a few serious questions, then we'll look at this episode's big question, and we'll wrap things up at the end with a few fun questions. Let's start with our serious questions. Our first question comes from Israel, who asks, Why did the Pharisees ask Jesus to stop the crowd yelling Hosanna to the son of David? The short answer, Israel, is the Pharisees were wrong, but for the right reasons. Luke's Gospel tells us in chapter 19 that when Jesus entered Jerusalem and the people cried out, some of the Pharisees told Jesus to rebuke them, to silence them. Luke doesn't explain why, because the explanation would have been obvious to his readers. The crowd is acclaiming Jesus as Messiah, and they're using language that is reserved for worship. By offering worship to Jesus, the people are doing what the Apostle Paul says we should never do, worshiping and serving the creature rather than the Creator. So, from the Pharisees' point of view, either Jesus rebukes the people and loses their respect as a result, or he doesn't, in which case he's guilty of blasphemy. What they don't realize is that although Jesus is fully human, he is also fully divine, and that in worshiping him, the people are doing something right, not wrong. They're doing what they were made to do, what all creation was made to do, Which is probably why Jesus tells the Pharisees, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. And now Sam VR asks, Hebrews 11, who would you add to the Hall of Faith? Now, Sam, you already know the answer to this. I wouldn't add anyone, because that catalog of faith in Hebrews 11 was inspired by God, and it's perfect just how it is. The last thing the author of Hebrews needs is for me to come along and say, hey, you missed one. As a matter of fact, if we combed through the Old Testament looking for names to add, we might actually be missing the point of that chapter. If you ask me, the goal is not to single out great individuals, but rather to testify to that magnificent, unbroken chain of witnesses, that great cloud that surrounds us. The way the author moves back and forth between individuals and groups, between those who are named and those who are unnamed, reflects the way that God works generation after generation through his people. He's making a people of faith for himself, a church, not just individual persons. But of course, a people is made of persons. So God's plan isn't either individual or corporate. It's both. And that means that the names not mentioned are as important as the ones who are, because some of those names are ours. Despite their great faith and their great sacrifice, Hebrews says, God has provided something better for us. In other words, God has given us the full revelation of Jesus Christ, and he is the true hero of the faith. 
Now it's time for the big question. Our big question this week comes from Tim. Let's give Tim a round of applause. Here's Tim's question. Why did Jesus come to earth as a baby instead of just coming down as a man? And why did God choose Mary to have Jesus? Well, Tim, today is Christmas Eve, so there's no better time than now to answer a question like yours. Or I should say questions like yours, because there are two, though they're linked together. We'll take them one by one. First, why did God the Father decide to send his son to earth as a baby? And having decided that, why choose Mary to be his mother instead of someone else? Let's start by remembering something that I've mentioned before on the big question. In the New Testament, Jesus is compared to Adam. In Romans 5 and 1 Corinthians 15, the Apostle Paul explains the work of Jesus based on the work of Adam. He even calls Jesus the last Adam. There's a lot to this analogy, but to sum it up, Adam represented his people and Jesus represents his people. They both act on behalf of humanity, in Adam's case, leading us into sin, and in Jesus' case, leading us into righteousness. Now, since God created Adam as a fully formed man, not a baby, and Paul says Adam was a type of Christ to come, it makes sense to ask why Jesus didn't enter into the world the same way Adam did. One explanation for the difference, I think, is that despite their similarities, there was a big difference between Adam and Jesus. Adam was a created being, the first human, the product of God's special creative act. The Son of God, however, was not a creature. He is, as we say in the creeds, begotten, not made. In Jesus, the Son of God takes on flesh and dwells with us, entering into the world and the human race. But he wasn't created out of dust as Adam was. In fact, because it was important that Jesus be fully human, it makes sense that his birth would follow the normal course of human birth, that he would be born like one of us, a baby, and would grow to maturity as we do. The fact that Jesus was born a child and came of age here on earth makes it hard for his critics to deny that he was fully human in the way they might have if he just suddenly appeared. For the author of Hebrews, it's important that Jesus went through this full range of human experience apart from sin because it gives us assurance of his compassion and understanding for us in our all-too-human struggles. So I think that gives you some idea of why Jesus was born the way he was. Now the question is, why did God choose Mary as his mother over everyone else? When the angel Gabriel announces the coming of Jesus to Mary in Luke 1, she doesn't exactly ask him, why me? But in a way, maybe she does. When Gabriel greets her, he says, O favored one, the Lord is with you. And Luke tells us that this greeting greatly troubled Mary, that she tried to figure out what sort of greeting it actually was. And why was she puzzled? I think it's because she couldn't understand why an angel would appear to her and speak to her this way. What's so special about me, she must have been wondering. Now, because God chose her to be the mother of Jesus, we certainly see her as special. And it's natural for us to think she must have been especially faithful and pious for God to have chosen her. 
And honestly, when you read Mary's prayer later in the chapter, what we call the Magnificat, because it begins, my soul magnifies the Lord, it's clear that not only is Mary faithful, but she has a real understanding of God's word and his covenant keeping. So it's tempting to answer this question the way we might answer the question, why was Job singled out for testing? In the book of Job, the explanation given is that Job was a righteous man in God's eyes. He was tested because he was righteous. Does that mean that Mary was chosen because she was righteous? Well, that's not what the angel Gabriel says. He says, you have found favor with God. The word favor there in Greek is charis, in other words, grace. The explanation Gabriel gives for Mary's choosing, in other words, is the same one scripture gives for God's choosing of his people. Not their righteousness, but his grace. Now, that's not to take anything away from Mary as a believer any more than it does from any of us to acknowledge that all that we are and all that we have comes from God's grace to the credit of his glory. Before we close, let's look at a few fun questions. First, Lydia asks, do you have a favorite cat? Well, Lydia, wouldn't it be terrible if I did? Since I have two cats, if one of them was my favorite, then that would mean the other one was my least favorite. And, and I'd feel terrible about that. Uh, note that I said I would feel terrible, not the cat, because cats really don't care what humans think. My cats certainly don't seem to care what I think. I can tell you this much, I am not the favorite person of either of our cats. They like Lori a whole lot more than they like me. In fact, if they could talk, I'm sure they would tell you that the three of them, Lori, Tilly, and Georgie, are a family, and that I'm just a random person who lives in the same house. But that's okay. I still filled their Christmas stockings with gifts, even though I know they won't say thanks or even appreciate them. And now Stephen asks, when did the big question start? Well, Stephen, first of all, congratulations on having a baby brother in the house. That is a special gift to receive at Christmas time, and I know how excited you must be. Just remember that excitement when he's old enough to start reading your books and playing with your toys. Now, as I mentioned a few episodes ago, when you asked pretty much this same question, the big question started in January of 2021, which means we're coming up on our third anniversary. Now, this is a good time to mention that this episode, episode 120, is the last one of 2023. We're going to take a break and come back sometime in January when I'll begin a new year of tackling your big questions. In the meantime, I wish each and every one of you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Thank you for all your great questions. Thanks for your humor and your curiosity and your patience, too. I'd like to think that even if my cats don't appreciate me very much, all of you more than make up for it. That's all for now. Thanks for listening to The Big Question. Remember, if we're going to find the answers, then we have to ask the questions. Never be afraid to ask and never be satisfied with easy answers. The truth will stand up to scrutiny. Until next year, keep asking the big questions. <laughs>